Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. Short yards offense was not a strong suit. We had too many linebacker run-throughs and safety run-throughs. You know, we got to do a better job with our offensive line, keeping our eyes and our head up and seeing those run-throughs and, and hitting that movement. And they gave us a lot of movement in general. And that typically is a feast or famine type of a defensive scheme. You know, you're going to make a big play in the backfield or have a crease that you give up. But they did a nice job with those blitzes. We did not do a nice job picking them up. And so short yards-wise, we weren't as good as we need to be. Kyle Whittingham talking to us about his youths. Still things to refine, things to tune up as they await the conference opener a week from Friday against USC. He's going to find something, PK. Short yardage offense, that's as good as anything. Not playing a perfect game. Are what went good, wrong? Are they good or bad there? I wasn't paying attention. They were not good there. Uh, they were bad. Well, they got to get better. Exactly. USC football coach Clay Helton, USC at BYU this week, home to Utah week from Friday. Clay Helton said he feels support from the school's administration following the resignation of athletic director Lynn Swan on Monday. Folt, that's school president Carol Folt. Folt didn't have to reach out to me and take the time to say, Coach, man, love what you're doing. The staff, the players are so fun to watch Saturday. I just want to help you in any way so you and your team can be successful. That meant a ton to me. Did he call her Folt? It's in parentheses, oh, okay. so I suppose she probably he probably said she, and there was an earlier reference to the name. Or the president. The president, right. Okay, you made it sound like he called her Fult. <laughs> yeah, no, it says Fult here, and Fult I read it. Down to the end. Nobody's going to know who Fult is, so I better fill that in. But it would have been cool if that, what he called her by her last name. Hey, Fult! That fault lady said, I'm good, as long yeah. as we keep winning. <laughs> That's, there you go. <laughs> Just win, baby. She came to USC from North Carolina, so she knows about athletic departments and turmoil and uh, scandal. Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello, he will be back on the field. Stanford's going to face 17th-ranked Central Florida. They're going to Orlando to play UCF this week. All-America offensive tackle Walker Little out for the season. Season-ending knee surgery. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Come on here. Get the right turn, So that was sound of Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence denying a young Giants fan an autograph. Cowboys don't sign for Giants fans. You're Is that wearing the wrong wrong? jersey, kid. Wearing the wrong jersey. He didn't have the power of your family behind him, PK. What's that? Phil, dropping the hammer when you got Reggie Jackson. You got Reggie's autograph. I did when I was like 12 years old, yeah. New York Jets traded for the Patriots to Marius Thomas in exchange for a 2021 sixth-round draft pick. But that's not the big news involving a Patriots wide receiver. I guess he's a Jets wide receiver now. Patriots issued a statement after learning of a civil lawsuit against Antonio Brown. He's been accused of sexually assaulting his former trainer. It was filed Tuesday in the Southern District of Florida. He's accused of sexually assaulting her on three separate occasions in 2017 and 18. Brown, through his lawyers, denied the accusations. 
The Patriots statement says we're aware of the civil lawsuit that was filed earlier today against Antonio Brown, as well as the response by Antonio's representatives. We take these allegations very seriously. Under no circumstances does this organization condone sexual violence or assault. The league informed us they will be investigating. We have no further comment while the investigation takes place. Antonio Brown, constantly in the headlines, PK. Thought it might settle down when he went to New England, and instead, nope, not at all. Now we'll wait to see where this goes. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Just wrapped up in China, the USA knocked out World Cup of Basketball quarterfinals. France with an 89-79 win. Donovan Mitchell led the U.S. with a team-high 29 points. He had a big game, shot it pretty well. Three of six from behind the arc. 12 of 23 from the floor. Had six points and four assists. But the U.S. is knocked out. And big stat line for Rudy Gobert in the game. 21 points, 16 boards, and he blocked three shots. And the U.S. is out. Draw any conclusions from this, PK? Yeah, against second-rate competition, those guys can dominate. For the U.S., Kemba Walker, two for nine. Marcus Smart did manage to score 11 points. Chris Middleton was held to five. A lot of stars missing, and the U.S. goes down. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Ferguson set the pitch to Trumbo. Call strike three. The Dodgers win. After being in first place for all but six days the entire season, the Dodgers have won their seventh consecutive National League Western Division title. Once again, the best in the West as they beat the Orioles tonight 7-3. Dodgers 42 games over, seventh straight West title, earliest they've clinched in any of the seven titles. And now they do, I guess, what they've probably already been doing for a couple weeks and get the pitching aligned and get guys rested and try to have guys in a groove. Because for the Dodgers, you know, when you're going every year, it's all about the championship, PK. Haven't won the World Series since 1988. Set up for another run. Go Blue. Cubs. Taking a step back, they're trying to hold on to a wild card and maybe catch the Cardinals, but they got a lot of work to do there here in the last two and a half years, but at least hold on to a wild card. They lost to the Padres 9-8. Had a couple homers from Jason Hayward, had a couple from Chris Bryant, but the whole pitching and defense part of that successful postseason equation escaped them yesterday. We're not in the postseason. No, but with the bases loaded, you really don't need your second baseman throwing the ball into foul territory in left field and letting three runs score. That was a little bit of a gift right there. The game ended up 9-8. The Astros keep playing high-scoring games after scoring 21 runs and then 15 runs. They give up 21 runs. Oakland beats Houston 21-7. Scores have been off the charts there with Houston for three days in a row now. Not exactly your average baseball scores. And the Brewers, who are trying to run down the Cubs for a wild card, lost Kristen Yelich for the remainder of the year. Fractured his kneecap with a foul ball. Major blow. Yeah. Brewers win 4-3. You ever foul a pitch off your uh, your own leg or your own foot? Uh, not to where I am done for the next three or four weeks. No. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL down to the last six games. They host San Jose tonight. 
probably need to win three of them to get to the playoffs, win four of them, and they can have home field, maybe get to second place and have home field for two rounds. Got the Quakes tonight. RSL's fifth in the West, San Jose's fourth. Seven teams separated. Is that what the cool people call them, the Quakes? The Quakes. Seven teams separated by four points. Anything's possible. Somebody's going to have to miss the playoffs. Seven teams fighting for six playoffs. I'll, I'll volunteer. Somebody will get squeezed out. You're I'll out. miss them. You'll out. miss them. Okay. Yeah. I'm out. Okay. All right, PK. I volunteered. It doesn't work like that, but oh. thanks for volunteering. You said somebody. Both teams Both teams will be uh, will be shorthanded tonight because they're playing an international window, and San Jose is probably going to be missing a couple guys. And RSL is going to be missing. Big stretch. They don't even have their guys there because they're doing uh, something else. It's yeah. a true story. Americans can't story. relate to that. I'm sorry, I guys. I know. <laughs> that just tells you this doesn't mean enough. This is not that important. I don't know what to tell you. I know it's your live, but it's a bad it's a bad look yeah. and they're doing it anyway. Yeah, but this is way more important than this. Flying if, around the world to play matches. If it's not important matches. to them, why the hell should I pay attention? There you so go. That's what I, and I and I mean this all sincerity, with all sincerity. I know you do. I can watch whatever if I know it means everything to them. Doesn't matter what it is. If it means what it is in the moment, then I'm there. Of ourselves five best attacking players, four of them have been called away on international duty. Now, they usually start four of the five. One is usually out for some reason. Sometimes it's coach's decision, but injury, suspension, whatever. But it's it's a significant blow to RSL. But you can't whine too much because San Jose is going to be down probably at least two key players themselves. So it's watered down even more. It is watered down. I don't, I'm not debating it with you. You're right. It's a bad look. And they keep playing international windows, and fans complain about it, and they try to minimize how many international well, windows they When it's cold playing. outside, shut the window. <laughs> 7.30 tonight at the Riot. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. It's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up we got Riley Nelson joining us in about 20 minutes, BYU football radio analyst. We'll talk to him about the dramatic comeback at Tennessee and look ahead to what they can possibly, or excuse me, the dramatic comeback at Tennessee and look ahead to what they can do against USC on Saturday. Riley Jensen, our college football insider at 8, and Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 network analyst, usually joins us on Tuesday, but after the late Monday night football game, calling the Raiders. He's joining us on Wednesday this week. We'll talk with him coming up at 8.30. And we got time right now. If you want to grab your phone, grab the app, send us your takes. What will you be doing? Where will you be when BYU plays Boise State in 2034? Cougars and the Broncos signing a 10-year deal. Sign that 12-year deal. They're not quite done with it yet. But they're going to tack another decade three more on. Years. Yeah, they're going to tack another decade on and keep That's going. Great. Yeah. So when that wraps up in 2034, where will you be? What will you be doing? Your predictions for you. And we will get to that coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. New Mexico coach Bob Davies said he hopes to return to the sidelines and continue coaching after suffering an undisclosed serious medical situation. The required hospitalization after the Lobos win on, over Sam Houston State on August 31st. Davey thanked the medical professionals who treated him, said, I'm not being too dramatic, too dramatic by saying they saved my life and my family will forever be appreciative. New Mexico faces seventh-ranked Notre Dame this Saturday, and of course, Bob Davey coached at Notre Dame a couple of decades ago. 
Major League Baseball, Phillies continue their march to the postseason. Beat the Braves 6-5. Corey Dickerson with a couple of home runs. Minnesota Twins beat the Washington Nationals 5-0. And the Dodgers win the West for the seventh year in a row with a 7-3 win over Baltimore. Top of the Wire brought to you by Zero Res. Back to school. Time to get back to clean. Schedule your post-summer carpet cleaning with Zero Res today. Just $33 per room. Pre-treated, cleaned, and Zero Resified. Easy online scheduling. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning or call 801-288-9376. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Tyson Williams is the face of the BYU offense. That's not a slight to Zach Wilson. I think he'll still have a great year, but that dude carrying the rock with some of the key grinding yards that he's able to get, that's a really big deal, man. I don't think Tyson Williams is Zach Moss by any means, but he's a dang good back to just have a guy be able to go out there and give you the yards you need time after time and be so steady in that way. What a great get for that program. I thought in that game against Tennessee, the familiarity with playing in such big stadiums and big moments in front of hostile crowds doesn't bother him. You could just kind of tell that he is an experienced, mature back who never really got the opportunity he deserved elsewhere, and now that he's with BYU, it's really starting to shine. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Texas Toast brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical will light up your day. Give us a call at 801-543-2222. We'll be right on our way. That's 801-543-2222. Question of the morning. What are you going to be doing when BYU and Boise State play the final game in their new 10-year football contract in 2034? Yeah, it's funny that it's out that far, 15 years. What are you going to be doing 15 years from now? I'm terrible at this game. 15 years ago, I wouldn't have guessed we'd been sitting here doing this in 15 years. When the Olympics came in 95 and all the stations went live all day long the day of the announcement, there were people in Budapest, people in the studio, people downtown at the city-county building where there's a big citywide party. And we were on air for hours. And I get home and my wife saw something and she goes, that looked like fun. And I'm like, that was, that was a pretty crazy day. I that was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, she's like, too bad we won't be here in 2002 when that happens. We'd been here like three years, had no idea we'd be here. Now look at us. Where were you going to be? No idea. So you had no idea about no idea? Figured we would have moved. I mean, it's TV. You tend to move quite a bit. Well, why so. didn't you? It didn't work out that way. Well, did you pursue leaving? couple times, but it was always best to stay, and then just stop pursuing it. Oh, so you turned down offers? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Because I've had no offers to turn down. Really? None. Have you pursued any? I don't know that I've ever pursued anything. Yeah. I didn't pursue this job. Only in the first, uh, first five years, and after that. No, I didn't turn down. Nobody wants me. I didn't turn down any offers. Yeah. It's not like I could have gone to work this paper, that paper. No, I'm lucky to, to to be where I was. The watchdog was my my goal. I had I wasn't turning down offers. I'm not like you. <laughs> I wasn't in demand. <laughs> I wasn't in that much demand. The offer. Well, you turned down <laughs> offers. Uh, it didn't quite get that far. I can't officially say I turned down. Well, now you're backtracking, man. I asked you. You turned down offers. I looked. You said a couple. Now you're changing your mind. I can I only take you at face value. You can lie to me all you want. Now you got it. I didn't take. I haven't turned down an offer once. Travis says, "In 2034, I will have just watched Utah beat BYU the week before the 24th season in a row." Mm-hmm. Hashtag 24 and counting. That would be something. 
I think this series is great, especially as an independent. I have no idea that they'll be an independent. I hope for their sakes that they're not in 2034. I hope that they're not in 2025 and they get into where they want to be. I very much want that to happen for the Cougars. I like their people who work there, although recognizing that most of them won't be working working there. there. Although they could be working there in 24, 25, when the the next round is possible. So uh, 2034, that's another story. When you're out 15 years, that's sort of funny. Uh, Where will you be at that point in 15 years? I mean, I certainly hope that... uh, a, I'm alive. I was going to say, this side of the fairway. B, that I'm doing something that I very much enjoy. And I don't believe I would be in Boise at that point. I think Kyle Whittingham will be in Boise, if that game's in Boise. Really? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? 15 years from now? Yeah. I think he'll be in Boise. <laughs> Uh, Tell me why I think Kyle will be in Boise. I've got a great reason why I believe he'll be in Boise. Why do you think? If, assuming that that game is in in Boise or Pro Bowl for that matter, it doesn't matter. The first game of this new series will be in Boise. Well, I'm talking about the last game. Oh, the last game in 34 yeah, probably would be in Pro Bowl. Yeah, not in the first game. Me. The last game of this new second long-term contract. Because he will, he will be, be in, at that game. Because he will be in Sun Valley and he will take his personalized drone over to the game. Why would he be in Sun Valley? Vacationing. It's a glorious spot. I've never been there. Fall in Sun Valley. I don't get paid vacations to... Uh, my parents don't give me paid vacations to Sun Valley, so I've never been there. So I, I haven't been there either, but I've seen the photos. It's glorious. No, I have not seen any photos. I know Bruce Willis lives there. <laughs> he didn't invite you over? And some of the Hemingway ladies, descendants, I think, live there. And Ketchum, supposed to be next door to it. I've never been there. And it's very expensive. I don't have that kind of dough. Kevin says he's going to be in the Sunnyvale home for the elderly. So in the Bay Area? Apparently. <laughs> okay, that's Any Bay ads? Probably, probably drooling on myself. Uh, hope not. Brian says, I'll be 56 and I'll probably be working myself to death. 56? <laughs> yeah, you should be working at 56. That's good. You want to be working at 56 unless you have family money and, and they take then care of you. Then you can be golfing or beaching it or I mean, the best kind of money is inheritance. Dylan says, I'll be 40. Wow. Makes you 25 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, he had not considered the big 4-0. Did I tell you this story? So I get on the uh, north elevators at Rice-Eccles, and the gal's in that. They have an elevator gal, presses the buttons for you, and she was chatty. So she's chatting these other gals who come in. Oh, I really like your dress. And because it, it was red and white, something to do with the school colors. It's so colorful, and it's so, so good on you. Well, they get off at floor two or three, whatever. Another gal comes on. And uh, so it's me and the elevator gal and another gal. And this elevator gal is very chatty. She just starts chatting up about her job. And I'm like, I didn't ask you to talk. (laughs) 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 But she's talking anyway. Yeah, people say, my friends say, oh, this is a great job. Uh, You have an opportunity to meet a lot of cute guys, I bet, coming to the football game. She's just carrying on a one-person conversation. The other two of us are just looking. You have a lot of opportunities to see a... 
a lot of cute guys at the football game, I bet. And she says, and she's acting like she's talking back to them. Yeah, but one problem. Neither of us say anything, but she's just answering herself. Yeah, but one problem. They're all in their 40s. Oh, man. Classic. They're not all in their 40s. Some of them are in their 50s. It's funny. Alex says, I'll be watching that game in 24 thinking that artificial intelligence players really ruin the game of football. What does that mean? That AI will have taken over. We won't have real people playing football. There will be clones and drones and artificial intelligence sure and computerized we'll, we'll have, don't, don't, humanoids. All this stuff about people not playing football. It's all rich people who aren't going to let their kids play football. Don't worry about it. That just, and that just means more opportunities for the better players. Don't worry about it. They're not going to be playing. I think he means AI will take over the world. But maybe he meant what you were talking about. Oh, well, we keep hearing a participation's down. Did you read that Jamal Hill... Jamil Hill article she wrote for The Atlantic that African-American players should think about going to African-American colleges, to football players, and to play on their teams? No. You didn't? You should read it. Okay. You told uh, you me You don't have to it. comment on it because I know it's too, too sensitive for you. So, But I was thinking she didn't really think that through. Because? Because all you're doing is taking away opportunities from young black players to play football. Because who's on those teams? Oh, largely African-American players, I would assume. <laughs> yes. So you're all just black creating, college. if that were to happen, you're just creating more opportunities for white guys to make football teams. You're limiting what you're trying to enhance. They would take over if the great players didn't go to all these other places and they went to Howard and Grambling and all that. Who would they replace? Well, I assume that uh, USC would swoop in and whoever take whoever San Diego State recruited to beat UCLA. Take our guys. DJ, PK, and we are joined now by Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Riley, question of the day. When BYU and Boise State play the 10th and final game in their new contract in 2034, where will you be and what will you be doing? Look into the future, <laughs> Riley. Boy, that's great. Okay, so you know what? I will probably have gone to, by that time, my oldest son will have been in high school, so let's assume they play on like a Thursday, you know, let's say they get like that Thursday game, so I'll be getting ready to go to a high school game that Friday night, and, uh, you know, in the thick of raising a bunch of teenagers is probably where I'll be. Probably still around here in Utah. My roots are deep. Don't really want to go anywhere else. That's about all I can. My whole life revolves around football, as you can see. I was mapping out the football game, so that's about <laughs> as good as I can tell you. Well... My condolences that you'll be raising a bunch of teenagers then. And then secondly, I hope you're still doing your job and doing what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Boy, I, uh, if they can, you know, if they keep me around at BYU that long, again, I don't think, I think, um, you know, Mark Lyons is the, is the um, oh my goodness, who was, who's that, the, is the Cal Ripken. 
sorry to Cal Ripken for blocking out his name. Is the Cal Ripken of radio yeah. analysts putting 38 years in? I don't know that I'll be able to surpass that. But boy, if I can get from here to 2034, 15 years, I'll be tickled pink. And then 38 years, that's a long time. I didn't realize he did it that long. That, that is, certainly is tremendous. How many of these moments that you had, like on Saturday, will you have going forward over the next 15 years? You know, I think a lot. I think BYU uh, being with, and, and I don't think independence will spread out 15 years. I think something will happen on the landscape that will that will have BYU aligned somewhere somehow. I don't know what that is. It looks pretty. It looks pretty bleak and distant at the moment. But 15 years is a long time. Uh, but that being said, I, I think a lot. I think BYU is in a position or in a place where the program if they play clean football like they did on Saturday, and barring, you know, very upper echelon teams, they're going to be in competitive, they're going to be in a position, in a competitive situation, late in games, you know, and if they get lucky and the ball bounces their way like it did against Tennessee, then it's going to make for a lot of these type of of endings. Riley Nelson joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So where do you think BYU got lucky on Saturday, and where do you think BYU made their own luck on Saturday? Yeah, that, I'll start with the latter first. They made their own luck by taking care of the football. It was um, not to continue to you know drag on the misery of the rivalry for, for BYU fans, but so many made the excuse that, man, have we not just given up two pick sixes and another fumble inside our own red zone and given them 20 points off turnovers, we're right in that football game. And I know Utah fans were kind of saying, oh, yeah, right, you know, the second half, we held the ball for nine minutes, we did what we wanted with you, we imposed our will. But BYU somewhat proved that. Now, I'm not trying to equate Utah and Tennessee. Utah's program, I mean, their execution, and, and they're in a lot better place than Tennessee, who's kind of struggling right now. But bottom line is they did go on the road to, you know, one of college football's biggest and, and most fierce venues. I know it wasn't at 102 capacity, but 92,000 is still quite a wild up crowd. And through not turning the ball over and, and minimizing their penalties and winning the field position battle, they, were, they made their own luck uh, to put themselves in a position at the end. And then really it all came down to that last play, right? There was a holding that backed them up to – they're on eight-yard line, and then Zach, you know, didn't wasn't able to make it to the sticks on that run before that final throw. So BYU couldn't stop the clock being out of timeout. So it's to quote, you know, Chris Berman back when he used to do the fastest two minutes: tick, 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 tick. And uh, and luckily, Matt Bushman uh, kind of drew a lot of attention from the safety and the corner. What happened on that play is the corner was covering Micah Simon as Zach's eyes went over to that right side of the field. Uh, the corner kind of assumed that he was going to go to Matt Bushman, like most of us did, right? Matt is the most verifiable playmaker on BYU's offense. And so the corner fell off Micah. Luckily for Zach, it was all right in his line of sight because he could see as he was looking at, at Matt, Micah popped open behind him, was able to get the ball to him, and obviously set him up for the game-time field goal. And then once that happened, uh, they did – I don't think it was luck from there because that, that, that play – and and making the field goal took all the wind out of Tennessee's sails. I don't think at that point, once it added to overtime, I don't think very many people on that sideline or in that stadium, given what had happened the week before, thought Tennessee had much of a chance, and BYU took care of business. 
So I heard Rubel had a stat on your show saying that the Cougars under Kalani are eight and one without any turnovers. I mean, that, that's so significant. And clearly, if you have to have turnovers, you'd rather have a fumble because in a pick six situation, you end up a lot of times where it's a bunch of slow guys trying to chase a bunch of fast guys or the guy who's intercepting the ball, and it doesn't work very well. So you end up with pick sixes, which is what they had twice against Utah, obviously. And so then the second week against Tennessee, Zach Wilson doesn't throw any turn uh, any interceptions, let alone pick sixes. And the difference is they win the game. What is the difference between what was the difference between him in game one and game two that allowed him to be turnover free? You know, I, Utah's pass rush uh, is far better than Tennessee's. Yet BYU only gave up one sack, or, or I should say, sack in this situation only took one sack against Utah yet there were four sacks against Tennessee. So so how do you equate for that? Well, in Utah, and it happened on the first pick six, Zach was really trying to do, you know, he was giving maximum effort and trying his, his darndest to get out of trouble and make a play, right? That led to the Francis Bernard pick. Well, against Tennessee, multiple times, of those four sacks, three of them really were ones where Zach really – was like a pro. You know, the margin for error in the NFL is where it's the slimmest. And, and college football against good competition is where you get as close to that comp- is, as close to that slim margin of error in the NFL. And that's why you see so many NFL quarterbacks eat the ball and take a sack. And you don't see a ton of college because in, in college you can still out athlete or out. You know, uh, you can you can have the athletic advantage there where you can take that extra risk. Well, Zach, three out of the four sacks to me. He, he could have fought harder or he could have tried to you know do a flip, a, a desperate flip to a running back or something like that, but instead he just tucked the ball, covered it up, and, and went down. And so I, there, was a, there was a step of maturity there that I, I, for one, was really pleased to see because Zach, I think, and, and I don't think he compromises his, his confident, assertive, and, and his playmaking ability in doing that. That's, that's kind of an, often an assumption that not only fans have but players have that if you take you know a, a smart stack in a smart moment, that now all of a sudden you become a, a passive game manager, and that's not the case. So Zach continues to mature and balance that that aggressive playmaking ability with the the headiness of of taking care of the football. I think it'll show well for this BYU offense. Tyson Williams had a pretty good game, but he still only had 17 carries. And I know BYU hasn't had a lot of offensive snaps in the first two games, so that's that's an impact on how often he's getting the ball, obviously. But what do you think the right total is for him going forward, assuming BYU starts snapping the ball offensively 70 or 80 times a game? Boy, you said it, DJ. 60, they ran 55 plays in the first game, and they ran 60 plays in a two-overtime two game. So that's baffling to me. That that would be priority number one is find a way to get plays up. Now, I know they're kind of in a position where they're, they, they haven't really proven that they can move the ball up and down the field, so they might be playing a little bit of um, a little bit of you know time of possession and conservative kind of don't mess it up. Our defense will make a play ball, but they got to get more they got to get more shots up. But I think I think the right amount of touches is, is somewhere around twenty. I do think, you know, Lapini Katoa has things to offer, and I think Zach, in most games, will be able to enhance the rush game with with his feet, whether, you know, he's pulling a zone read or they run a draw or he's just scrambling and picking up first downs with his feet. So 
I do not think Tyson, I mean, Tyson's not like a Harvey Younger. Their, their sizes are just different. Harvey went 245 and was 6'2", and Tyson, while he's, he's built well, he's not built that big, and he's not, and, and, and I don't know where he hasn't had that season in college football where he's been an absolute workhorse and proven he can do it because he is such uh, a, an asset to this offense. I don't think you risk it by trying to pump him up to 25, 30 carries. So I think right around 20, whether they make it there or not, I don't think they should be super focused on. But shoot for high teams, 20 carries. Um, and, and, you know, if he can keep his rush per carry up around five like he had against Tennessee, then I think that'll be enough for the BYU offense to have success. So you being a quarterback, try to explain what this USC freshman did in his first start ever at the college level against Stanford because obviously he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he, he was. And what he did was, more, more than anything he did physically, it was mentally in that he knew that he's got four wide receivers some people think that USC will have the top receiver taken off the board in the next three drafts. Yeah. Between Armand St. Brown, Pittman, Vaughn, and then I'm blocking, I can't remember this freshman's name, number 15. But between those four players, they're all going to get drafted. So most are projecting they're all going And we lost Riley. I think we know where he's going with that point. Yak will try to get him back I mean, they on the are phone. Studs. They are. We've just, been saying it for weeks and months. They are just stacked. And if you go through the roster, the guys who aren't playing are all six four, six five, and they're all freshmen and sophomores. So even as these guys go off to the NFL, it looks like they got other guys who can step in and and potentially still be really good players for them. Maybe not to the level of these top two or three well, guys. Two, you know, and I don't know how long Harrell is going to stay there because I don't know how long Helton's going to stay there. But if they start throwing the ball a lot more. That's just going to increase the opportunity for them to get even more better receivers. I mean, they already got great ones, but the point being is that it will continue because, you know, student body left, student body right, which is what SC's been known for for many, many, many years with all the Heismans. They've had a few Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks now, or at least a couple. And so if they throw the ball a lot more, and receivers are already flocking there. So if they throw it more, they'll be even more. And they're really good. I, but I can't just say that it's the receivers and everybody else around him that made him look like he was all world. You got to give some credit to the kid. Absolutely. The throws were on the money. The deep ball he threw for a touchdown early was perfect. I mean, it was sensational. Perfecto. But it definitely makes the game easier to have all that talent around you without question. All right, Riley's back with us. Riley, you were just making the point, and you cut out there, you're making the point about the depth and talent of that receiving core. Yeah, but, and, and to give the quarterback credit, I don't want to take anything away from her because what, what most freshmen, they, they have nerves, especially against Stanford, right? Stanford is an in-conference rival. It was a nationally televised game, and it was his first start. So there were a lot of things there that, that would give him a good excuse to come out and try and do something extra, try and force throws, try and do all of those things. But he didn't. He stayed within the plan. Now, uh, I think we've got to give Graham Harrell some credit there as well. That He's brought in that Texas Tech kind of air raid, um, a, a kind of a modification of what Mike Leach runs, and that is all about easy completions. They don't. You, you did mention that he dropped that teardrop of a beautiful ball on his first touchdown between two defenders for the first one, but most of the other ones were getting the ball out of his hand quick, to receiver in the flat who was able to catch the ball in space 
and, and make some plays of it. And um, so he came out and executed the game plan ex- extremely poised. And, of course, you know, he's got an embarrassment of riches of talent around him. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, how is BYU secondary possibly going to match up with all these receivers? I mean, it, it looks like an impossible task. Yeah, and I think it's going to be an extra possible task for, for any secondary in the country because the couple of things, the offense is designed to get the ball out of your hands quick, so it's neutralizing it's – neutralizing the pass rush, and that can get really frustrating for defensive linemen if they never have more than you know a second and a half to two seconds to try and get to the quarterback. And even against battle lines, that's a lot. So, the, so you've got the design of the offense that poses a problem. Um, if you if you try and light them up and try and blitz, now BYU uh, BYU doesn't play much man to begin with, but that would put them in a position of playing man, which I think is is not a very wise thing to do. And so that leaves dropping back and playing coverage. BYU does has played a lot of drop eight coverage where they only rush three defensive linemen and then they drop eight players. That that serves a couple of purposes. One is it, hopefully guys aren't getting behind you and getting behind the defense. And then two, you've got a lot of guys in the area that when they do catch the ball underneath in the short to intermediate ranges, you've got a, a guy or two around to tackle them. And that's going to be a big thing because all of these USC wide receivers are great with the ball in their hand. They're great ball runners and, and good at getting yards after the catch. And so it's going to be vital for BYU to have a guy close to make some initial contact so that these guys can't work their magic in the open field and then rally and pursue really quickly and aggressively to make sure they get on the ground. And then, and then hope that, you know, we call it the sophomore slump from year one to year two. You hope there's a little bit of a second game slump from game one to game two where this freshman was so so great his first year. Maybe a couple of those freshman mistakes that are inevitable for most, most, most players kind of as BYU's forcing them to execute long drives and, and not allow them to push the ball down the field, that he'll get impatient, force a player to and, and give the ball up, you know, giving BYU a chance. Riley, you said every secondary in the country is going to have trouble. You're calling it right now. I see what you did. You're saying SC is going to beat Utah next week, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to see. Right? All right, PK, I'll let you, I'll let you run with that one. Because I, do, I, think, I, I think the new Coliseum, the new they got some mojo. They've surprised a lot of people. I think I, I've – my pick, in, and I don't know that I said this much publicly, but just in talking to people coming into the college football season, everybody writing USC off, I, I really I really didn't understand that because JT Daniels is a true freshman now. They find themselves with another freshman in this situation. But that will be that will be an immense battle, and, and that will really put Utah to the test. I'll tell you what, there's been a couple of things. One, I, I've always thought Utah's – Utah was going to be better than everyone – or sorry, I thought USC was going to be better than everyone thought they were. And it's been a little bit hard for me to believe the, the Utah hype. If the Utah secondary, at least as far as a playoff dark horse, I think as far as being, you know, being a challenger for the Pac-12 championship, I can buy that. But being a playoff dark horse has been a little tough for me to swallow. If that secondary for Utah can come out and neutralize – that receiving core for USC, then I'll be all in on Utah, you know, going all the way and, and having a chance at making it to the Final Four. 
Well, Riley, you know what it's like to come out as a freshman and have a big game and win a big game. You know, you're at Utah State and you beat Fresno State. And we all, I mean, we're all prisoners a little bit of the most recent thing we've seen, right? I think recency bias is the expression. But it can be an up and down for a freshman. So put yourself in his shoes. Yes, he looked awesome against Stanford. How much does that set him up for multiple awesome games going forward? But what could trip him up? And he's inconsistent and he has some bad games and throws some picks. What does it look like from his viewpoint going forward? Yeah, his his biggest thing is going to is going to be to try and stay with. You. When you're in high school, and granted, I, by the way, do you guys know much about this kid's high school experience? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he played in. Kurt Warner was his uh, quarterback coach down there in Scottsdale. Uh, he put up some decent numbers, but the team wasn't very good. Yeah, three and seven. I had, I was so surprised. USC's even looking, you know, you think in high school when you've got that special of a player, he can at least will his team to more than three wins, especially playing in Scottsdale. Now, I don't know, maybe Scottsdale plays some of the better teams down in Phoenix and, and all that, but I see that as more like, I don't see that as a football mecca. That's, that's golf mecca for a bunch of old retirees. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that the, the kid I think has, has extreme discipline um and maybe part of that is developed in high school with, with playing against players, or pl- sorry, playing with players who really don't provide much help. He probably learned that it doesn't matter if you don't use the guys around you or rely on them, you can't win it all by yourself, being that football is the ultimate team game. So what it looks like for him is to is two things. One, dealing with adversity, because adversity will come. No matter the talent he's got around him, the system, or as disciplined as he thinks he is, he's going to make mistakes. Because mistakes in, in call, at the high level of college football are only eliminated as you accrue a volume of uh, plays because you can't see everything that people are going to throw at you. So how will he respond to adversity? How well is he able to put it in the interview mirror and move forward? And then the second thing is finding him, himself in a competitive game. And granted, Stanford got out to an early lead against SC. I think it was 20-3 to or, or, or 14 or 17-3. to It was somewhere around there. And he did not panic, so he kind of had his first shot at that. But being down seventeen to three in the first quarter is a lot different than being down ten late in the third. As far as the the pressure that you feel as a player to press and really try and make something special happen, if he can fight off those urges and stay with the program um, and, and rely on the cast around him, then it'll be great. But those are going to be dealing with adversity and, and uh, not pressing are going to be his two biggest challenges to overcome. All right, Riley, as always, we appreciate a few minutes and, uh, you know, build that 15-year plan and then work towards it and let us know how that works out for you in 2034. <laughs> if you can <laughs> right, find maybe. us, because who knows where we'll be. Yeah, we'll be, well, I assume we'll still be talking every Wednesday morning over those. That's my plan, Riley. <laughs> that would be right, awesome. Right. <laughs> I'll take that. Thanks, Riley. Riley Nelson, Thanks, BYU football radio analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's the life of Riley on Wednesdays. There's Riley Nelson. Riley Jensen's coming up just after the top of the hour, our college football insider on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Question of the morning. Where will you be and what will you be doing when BYU plays Boise State in 2034? They had a 12-year deal, home-and-home football games. Now they've just announced another 10-year deal on the end of that. That's awesome. Good work by Tom Holman and his guys. Cougars and Broncos, always a game we can watch. Yeah. It's usually competitive. It's usually entertaining. I hope I'm watching it in 2034. You know, there's a little... Uh, yeah, really, right? 15 years from now? Absolutely. I hope I'm watching it. Uh, it ain't knocking on wood. It's going to the gym and eating right, Dave. You knock on wood. Yeah. I control my own fate. Okay, you keep telling yourself that. Well, it's worked pretty good to this point, <laughs> okay. so I might as well keep telling me myself that. There was a little pushback from Chris Peterson early on. It felt like another league game. Now, obviously, he's moved on to Washington. I don't know but it, was it Peterson or uh, Harson? Was it Harson? I thought it was Harson. Okay. Peterson knew he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> he didn't care either way. Yeah. Felt a little more like a league game. I mean, you and him, the thing that we have in common going back to 1995 is both of you have turned down numerous job offers. If you weren't with us earlier, DJ told us about the numerous job. He didn't give us specifics. I don't know if it was L.A., Chicago, Philly, New York, or you know, someplace in Europe. But he told us that he turned down multiple jobs. And we know for a while there, Peterson was getting offered or at least having interest in several high-profile positions before he finally took Washington. Well, I don't want to get into it, but I'll tell you it wasn't what you think it was. So there you go. Well, I, I, I know Idaho Falls wanted to make you president. No. <laughs> president of Idaho Falls. No, of the TV. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Well, Hail to the chief of you, Idaho You let Falls. us know. You, you turned down a couple. So basically your message was, people, yeah, you're pretty dang lucky that I'm still here. Yeah, that wasn't really the message, but <laughs> if that works for you, And not the way you took it. That's the way I took it. No. Yeah. I'm a big deal. I had options to go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's no. what you were saying. No. That's what, well, okay, we got three fine. people in a room, and two of us are taking it Yeah, that one way. of us was actually talking, so I can tell you what I was saying. You can tell me how you were taking it, I can tell you what I was saying. You can tell me what you were hearing. I know, but that's the thing. You can't control the way people take messages. Yeah, good on you, man. You're a talent. I've always said that. Send your, uh, your takes, what you'll be doing in 15 years. I don't think at any point in my life I could predict what I would be doing in 15 years. Maybe, maybe... As a two-year-old, you? you could predict you'd be in high school at 17. Yeah, but you don't know to predict anything at two. I, <laughs> exactly, I think, right. I think you can, you, David James Nicolor III, I'm, I'm very well certain you can predict in 15 years you'll still be giving community service. We'll have to see. DJ and PK. <laughs> I'm, I'm five years younger than I was when my mom died. <laughs> who had the healthiest lifestyle of anyone I know. So I wouldn't So predict. the odds are you're good because it already bad luck already stuck the James family once. Uh, okay, yeah, go with that. Well, you've already gotten five years past her. No, I'm five years short of where she was. She was five years older than I am right now. I'll tell you at 8.30 why Kyle Whittingham will be at that BYU-Boise State game. 
I said uh, after 8.30. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Riley Jensen's up next. Lincoln Kennedy at 8.30.